0: It's almost the week. I mean, it's like right around the corner. Makes getting up this early in the morning almost worth it, right? Praise be to God. We're going to have a great show for you. Uh, Dr. Paul Kengor, the devil, and Karl Marx is back on the agenda today. We enjoyed our conversation with him so much. That was, what, I don't know, a month ago now? Uh, we gave an hour-long conversation away to our email list subscribers, and we played about 20 minutes, 20 minutes of it on the program Well, that wasn't enough. We wanted more time, so we have invited him back. Today, we're going to focus specifically on the infiltration of the church component of his book. There's been a lot of chatter, especially on social media, uh, about the infiltration of the church from communist sources. But how much of it is accurate, true, and and well documented? That's the question, and Dr. Paul Kingor has done a, a yeoman's work in documenting that in his book. So we're going to have that conversation coming up in this hour. But before that, Michael Lofton is back with now. That's a tough question. You know, it's a fun segment where you can ask as whatever question you want. The toughest question you can come up with, you could ask Michael Lofton can answer. That's coming up at 15 past the hour. We will open the phone lines. If you would like to ask Michael Lofton a question, you will have that opportunity. All that plus our normal, you know, headline news, uh, the saint of the day, gospel of the day, and a reflection thanks to verboom.com forward slash grn coming up in this hour. It's going to be a jam-packed hour. In the next hour, if you are at all able to join us, we would love to have you. Of course, our Fear and Trembling Game Show is back this week, and prizes are involved. We're going to give away prizes on Friday, so hopefully you can join us for that as well. But it's going to be a great show today. Good morning to you, Janelle.
5: Good morning, Joe.
0: Praise be to God. All good news, right, on Wednesdays?
5: Well, the the, um, the third part, the third bright segment. skies
0: and and uh, you know,
5: just the bluest of skies,
0: fluffy bunnies, this, that kind of thing. <laughs> no, mm 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 mm. There was lots of uh, crazy headlines out today. Oh, so.
5: definitely, lots of lots of very crazy things.
0: Yes, uh, unfortunately, that's just part of life. But we will bring
3: those to you here in a moment. Speaking of crazy, Adrian Fonseca is back. I, am, uh, I feel like I am, might be the sanest person I know. <laughs> I, I, think, I think that's that's, that's true Is that, Is that award
0: right next to the Humility Award
3: on your shelf at the house, or how does well, that work? Well, to be honest, to be sane uh, in comparison to most people, it's uh, not too hard these days. Not, not too, too hard. Not too hard. You look out the window, turn on the news, and <laughs> you, you're like, wow, I am pretty sane. Wow, I am pretty normal. <laughs> Do you look in the mirror every morning and go, you, sir, are very humble
0: and sane. In comparison. In comparison. <laughs> it's, it's all, you got to put it all in perspective. Speaking of sanity, St. Teresa Avila is here as well, doing the video switching for our live video stream and hanging out on the social media feed. So make sure you say hello. We'll be talking to her later in the show as well. So a lot to get into. It's going to be a jam-packed program, and we're very excited about it. Do us a favor. If you are watching via a live video stream on social media, please share it. Or if you're not... Share it anyway. Let your friends and family know about Catholic Drive Time. We would be grateful. Let's pray for whatever your intentions are, as well as our own. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. O most sacred heart of Jesus, pour down thy blessings abundantly upon thy church, upon the supreme pontiff, and upon all the clergy. Give perseverance to the just, convert sinners, enlighten unbelievers, bless our parents, friends, and benefactors, help the dying, free the souls from purgatory, and extend over all hearts the sweet empire of thy love. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Janelle Lay.
5: FDA authorizes more doses of the Johnson & Johnson CCP virus vaccine. Illegal immigrants intentionally damaging property, says Texas Sheriff. California fully reopens with many restrictions still in place. From Reuters, Israel strikes Hamas sites over fire balloons, challenging truce. Israeli aircraft struck Hamas sites in Gaza on Wednesday after incendiary balloons were launched from the Palestinian enclave and the first such attack since a fragile ceasefire ended 11 days of deadly fighting last month. The violence poses an early test for the government of new Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, whose patchwork coalition came to power on Sunday on a pledge to focus on socio-economic issues and avoid sensitive policy choices towards the Palestinians. An Egyptian-mediated truce that halted fighting between Israel and Gaza militants did not immediately appear to be threatened by the flare-up, with the overnight Israeli airstrikes giving way to calm by morning. There were no reports of casualties on either side. Israel's military said its aircraft attacked Hamas-aired compounds in Gaza City and the southern town of Yan Yonis, and was ready for all scenarios, including renewed fighting in the face of continued terrorist acts emanating from Gaza. The military said the strikes came in response to the launching of balloons laden with incendiary material, which the Israeli fire brigade reported caused 20 blazes in open fields in communities near the Gaza border. Breitbart shares an exclusive. Mike Pompeo says Wuhan lab is still operational. Next virus could kill not 3 million, but 30 million. The Wuhan Institute of Virology is still operational and likely still undertaking gain of function research to develop coronaviruses that are more lethal and contagious. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said on Tuesday's edition of Sirius XM's Breitbart's News Daily with host Alex Marlow, author of The Breaking News Exposing the Establishment Media's Hidden Deals and Secret Corruption. Identification of the novel coronavirus's origin should be a priority of the U.S. government from both global health and national security perspectives, Pompeo held. We shouldn't forget this lab is still up and running, he said. There are no increased safety measures that I'm aware of. I'm sure they are still conducting viral research, probably a gain of research uh, inside this lab, making these viruses more lethal and more transmissible. This risk is not gone. This is a serious and urgent matter. We have to confront it in a way that reflects that. He stated, I'm confident that we will conclude that this came from the virology lab, but put that aside. We know that the Chinese Communist Party allowed this virus to escape from Wuhan. They allowed folks to travel to Milan and outside the Hubei province and foisted this virus that killed 3 million people around the world upon us all. They continue to cover up to this day. Pompeo noted the political corruption of the World Health Organization, giving its status as a subsidiary of the United Nations. He concluded, We've got to figure out how this came to be, and we have to stop the Chinese Communist Party from doing the kinds of things that could next time kill not 3 million, but 30 million. And those are your headline news for Wednesday, June 16th. God love you.
3: The saint of the day is Saint Gardis. She was born in 1182 at Tongris, Limburg, Belgium. A pretty girl with a fondness for clothes and no apparent religious vocation, Ludgardis was sent to the Black Benedictine's convent near St. trond at the age of 12. The reason was because her dowry had been lost in a failed business venture and there was thus little chance for a life as a normal married laywoman. In her late teens, Lutgardis received a vision from Christ showing her his wounds, and 1194 at the age of 20, she became a Benedictine nun with a true vocation. She had visions of Christ while in prayer, experienced ecstasies, and levitated and dripped blood from her forehead and hair when enraptured by the Passion. Chosen as prioress of her community in 1205, she repeatedly refused to be abbess. The Benedictine order was not strict enough for Lutgardis, and on the advice of her friend Saint Christina the Astonishing, in 1208 she joined the Cistercians at Avoreis near Brussels in, in modern Belgium, where she lived for the, her remaining 30 years. She displayed the gift of healing, prophecy, spiritual wisdom, and was an inspired teacher on the Gospels. Blind for the last 11 years of her life, she treated the affliction as a gift. It reduced the distraction of the outside world in one of her last visions Christ told her when she was to die. She spent the remaining time in prayer for the conversion of sinners. She died on the 16th of June 1246 at Eivereis and modern-day Ivers, Belgium of natural causes, just as night office began on the Saturday night following the Feast of the Holy Trinity. Her relics were transferred to Eterre, Belgium on the 4th of December 1796 to avoid the destruction in the french revolution saint Lutgardis, pray for us praise be to god in all things the gospel today comes
0: to us from matthew chapter 6 verses 1 through 6 and 16 through 18. jesus said to his disciples take care not to perform righteous deeds in order that people may see them otherwise you will have no recompense from your heavenly father when you give alms, do not blow a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, to win the praise of others. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your almsgiving may be secret. And your Father who sees in secret will repay you. Praise be to God in all things. Uh, the in, in, the song in you know from uh, Fiddler on the Roof tradition comes to mind, like the tune, right? But I would change the word to intention. Intention. Intention matters. And I think that's the sort of the, the bottom line here on this particular passage. Your intentions matter. This is what St. Gregory the Great says, quoted in Haydock's commentary, that the man who by his virtuous actions would gain the applause of men quits at an easy rate, a treasure of immense value, for with what he might purchase the kingdom of heaven, he only seeks to acquire the transitory applause of mortals. That's a pretty powerful statement right there alone. Haydock goes on to point out that intention matters. in fact, it was apparently the custom of the time to come out to blow their trumpets to gather the poor and to pass out publicly those alms that they wanted to to give to the poor, so that everyone would know and see and and hear and oh, look at that guy wow he's very he's doing some awesome stuff. Look how important that person is, but intention matters. You know, he is, his commentary goes on to point, but be content to have God for witness to your good works. He says, when at the day of general retribution, the good and the evil will be brought to light. Now, here's the question, though, that I think should come to mind. So, does this mean you're supposed to go to your inner room to pray, for instance? You're supposed to not look like you're fasting. You're not supposed to be doing these things uh, in public. Well, is that the case? No. You you should still let your light shine so that other men can see it. But it comes down to your intention. Haydock's commentary also says, Hypocrisy is forbidden, and all of these three good works of justice mentioned in this passage. But he goes on to say, but not the doing of them openly for the glory of God, the edification of our neighbor, and our own salvation. You see, what is your intention? What is your intention? You see, God knows. He sees the hidden, He knows your intentions. So, this relationship between you and God is what matters. If you are doing these good works publicly, well, praise be to God, so long as your intention is not to impress other people, is to put on a show. That's the bottom line here. He goes on to say, because he who should pray in his chamber and at the same time desire to be known by men that he might thence receive vain glory might truly be said to pray in the street and sound a trumpet before him you see it doesn't matter whether you're in the public or not because your intention matters he goes on to say whilst he who who though he pray in public seeks not thence any vainglory acts the same as if he prayed in his chamber intention 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 don't watch fiddle on the roof terrible movie don't do it Anyway, we're going to go to a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to come back with Now That's a Tough Question with Michael Loftin. the not go
3: Howdy. This is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you.
5: We are a young and diverse generation, helping those in need and promoting human rights. We care for the environment. We embrace authentic witnesses and dream of a better world. Our passion comes from God, who loves us even when we fall, and cheers on our victories. If you sometimes wonder, is there something more? Then come and see at CatholicsComeHome.com.
3: Now that's a tough question. To get your tough question answered, call now, 877-757-9424. Michael Lofton, host of Reason and Theology, will answer your tough questions now, 877-757-9424, or
0: comment down below. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, uh, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. The phone lines are open if you have a tough question about the Catholic faith. Uh Let's see if we can stump Michael Lofton. He's been on the program several times. The phone number is 877 757 757 9424 Looking for your tough questions at 877-757-9424. I mean, just throw anything at him. I think it'd be fun. 877-757-9424. Good morning to you, Michael. Hey, good morning, Joe. How are you? Praise be to God. It is uh, good to be alive and to be on again with you, and we're grateful for your time. Now, quick question. This is a tough question. All those books behind you, is that just a green screen effect, or do you actually own those things?
6: No, those are real books, and and you should see that wall. That one has even more. (laughs) You, You are addicted to the
0: books, I see. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, praise <laughs> I be. I definitely
6: God. prefer the actual hardbacks or paperbacks as opposed to maybe PDFs. And oh, Kindles you're
0: and a rad trad. I yeah. got yeah. it. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Yeah,
6: I do. I love, we love books at our house
0: too. We, we can't right. get enough. The problem is keeping my kids out of my private library. That's the problem. Because like now they're reading the the G.K. Chesterton book, and you know I just don't want to be responsible for spreading that kind of stuff around.
6: You know. So. I completely understand. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, I do have some tough questions for you. Uh, the phone lines are open at 877-757-9424, 757 9424 if you have a question for Michael Lofton today. All right. So this came up yesterday, Mike, uh, in our after <laughs> show where we uh, casually conversate with our audience, and uh, it was about organ donations. What is the church's stance on organ donations, being a, an o- organ donor? <laughs>
6: Yeah, you know, the best that I can tell, it, and it also kind of depends on what we're talking about as far as the context, I suppose if we're talking about somebody who is on life support, but they're declared brain dead, in cases like that, and there's absolutely no hope of recovery, I have seen it uh, said that it would be moral to harvest if they had been uh, voluntarily a organ donor. It would be moral to harvest their organs in that case. But ordinarily, you don't want to, uh, harvest organs from somebody who hasn't consented prior to this, Mm right, to their death. And you don't harvest organs from a living person. Now, there are some exceptions, right? There are, there are some organs that, wouldn't necessarily be essential to the individual. But uh, there are particular organs that you would not harvest unless the individual is dead. So the general principle is that you would harvest organs from dead individuals with very rare, uh, I guess I would say, exceptions. We could say that, well, in a sense, a person who's on life support and has been declared brain dead and there's no hope of recovery, in a sense, is already dead. They're just artificially being kept alive. In those cases, we could harvest organs. I so th- it's a pretty tough issue, though. You'd have to take yes. it on a, we were, a case basis.
0: We were chatting yesterday about it uh, in the context of uh, you know the, the joys of motorcycle riding. And, uh, you know, apparently the nickname for motorcycle riders among law enforcement is organ donors, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, apparently, because there's quite a number of uh, fatalities or accidents. But if the question comes up, I think, for, for a lot of us that are concerned about uh, being organ donors and the, the potential risk of having doctors make decisions too quickly. Uh, especially in regards to brain dead i mean i think now there's been many cases to suggest that someone who's quote brain dead unquote is not necessarily dead and can actually recover there are cases yeah. where people have recovered from that right. what do we as catholics believe about that part of that uh, question
6: right if there's a chance of recovery it would be immoral So that would not be licit. It's only in chances where there's absolutely zero opportunity for recovery. And even then, it seems somewhat questionable. Now, I haven't seen any official declaration on part of the church on this particular matter. I've just seen uh, different moral theologians who try to weigh in here. All right, so here's the next
0: question. Why was the church against cremation uh, before uh, and I, before when is the question, and now all of a sudden it's perfectly fine. What What's going on here with cremation in the church, Michael Lofton?
6: I, I wouldn't say it's perfectly fine. The church still prefers burial. It, it actually highly recommends burial still. But since 1963, cremation has been permitted if done for the right reasons. Um, one of the reasons why historically Christians have been opposed to it is because normally it was generally pagans who cremated. And they were doing so for reasons that were contrary to our faith. I mean, we as Christians, we have always buried our dead because we believe in the hope of the resurrection. And the pagans did not. And so they they cremated their dead. And for a very long time, the church opposed cremation because um, it would have given the wrong signal. It would have basically undermined the resurrection Now, a lot of things have changed circumstantially to where that connotation is no longer there. And so the church has said, well, okay, technically, uh, you could cremate if for the right reasons. And if you're not denying the uh, resurrection of the dead, and if done properly, it's permitted, but it's not encouraged. It's not the recommended way. And there's a lot of guidelines that are involved as well when it comes to cremation so you can't just uh, have a family member cremated and take them to an unholy place and keep them in your home or something like
0: that what about about spread the ashes on their favorite garden or ocean
6: you can't you can't separate the ashes or put them in jewelry, anything like that. There are restrictions against that.
0: Now, why would we say you can't do those things? Like, what would be our reasoning for not wanting to do those?
6: The, things? the reasoning is it's not respectful to the actual body of the individual. And, of course, this person is going to be uh, resurrected one day. And, you know, we know Christ is going to judge the living and the dead. That very body is going to be resurrected again. And by separating the ashes, it just isn't doing enough dignity to that person.
3: Awesome. Great, great answer. Uh, if you have a question for Michael, 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424 uh, for questions for Michael Lofton. And uh, we had a question that was commented on our past interview. So the first interview we did with you was an interview on obedience to our bishops and to the Pope. Yeah. What level of obedience do we owe? To the Pope and two bishops, and we had a question come in. It says the according to Lumen Gentium, uh, twenty-five, there doesn't seem to be room for dissent from the Pope's magisterium, uh, Pope's ordinary magisterium. How can Michael suggest we can dissent from the Pope's ordinary magisterium, or that he can only uh, might be part of the ordinary ordinary magisterium? Let me rephrase that uh, for a sake of clarity. So, Michael, uh, in the interview uh, we did on obedience. Uh, Were you saying that we can dissent from the Pope uh, on normal, on whenever he's speaking in the ordinary magisterium? And what is the ordinary magisterium?
6: Yeah, this is a really good question. A lot going on here. So really quickly, the ordinary magisterium is not really the best term. Although, it has been used before, uh, by the magisterium. So I recognize that it's a licit term. It just, the reason why I say it's not the best is there's just a lot of confusion surrounding what it means. But effectively, when somebody's referring to the ordinary magisterium in this context, they're talking about teachings that are authentic. They really are genuine teachings of the church, but they're reformable. They're not infallible, for example. That's generally what people are referring to. Now, in Lumen Gentium 25, it's true it doesn't speak about withholding assent or dissent from magisterial teachings. But Lumen Gentium 25 is not the only document that we have. Um, Lumen Gentium 25 also needs to be considered in the context where we can make distinctions between actual authentic teachings of the magisterium and private judgments and private teachings, if you will, of an individual who's part of the magisterium. For example, a pope we would say the Pope is able to teach in his magisterium as a Pope, but we also recognize a Pope could speak as a private theologian. And that has been recognized for ages. So uh Lumen Gentium 25 should be read in that context, even though it's not making a distinction between non-authoritative teachings by somebody who is a Pope and then teachings by a Pope. It doesn't make that distinction, but we should keep in mind that distinction historically. Now as to the question itself, um, Can you know why? Why have I spoken about perhaps dissenting from something taught by the magisterium? I I don't. I don't necessarily say we can dissent. I would say that in very limited circumstances, according to Donum Veritatis, we can withhold assent in very rare cases. Um, Those cases being where you have done enough research and made sure that you you know what you're talking about here, Uh, but there is a uh, perhaps irreconcilable contradiction between something currently taught non-definitively, non-infallibly by someone in the magisterium, perhaps a pope. Um, There's a contradiction between what it is teaching and what has previously been taught, and what has previously been taught outweighs the current teaching. In that case, you can withhold assent, but it is not something that okay, well, that all of a sudden means that you can now just go on Facebook and start bashing the Pope and and undermining the church. There are actually uh, guidelines against that. <laughs> so the church does say that there are rare cases where you could withhold dissent, and this was being said after Lumen Gentium, mind you. But they are very rare, and they are for people who are very informed about that particular matter. You You aren't to just flippantly do this so your natural disposition is to be one of assent rather than withholding assent
3: and uh so a follow up question we have about 2 minutes left what's the difference between withholding assent and dissenting and can you give an example of uh an example that we could withhold assent
6: yeah so i mean the usually the way these terms are defined withholding assent would be um i'm not going to com- i'm not going to believe submit with my intellect and will, as the language says. I'm not going to believe this current non-fallible teaching because it is contrary to something else that has been taught uh, that outweighs it. Um, There's a difference between I'm not going to accept it, although I'm going to be respectful to the magisterium and I've done everything that I've can to try to accept it. There's a difference between that and the person who hasn't even tried to reconcile the two, they haven't even tried to, to uh, try to understand it and, and believe it, and they just immediately go to social media and blast the church and talk about how wrong the church is for teaching this and um, undermine its credibility. There, there's a difference between just simply withholding assent respectfully and dissenting on social media and in public. I feel like you've been trolling me online there, Michael. I I feel (laughs) like this is something that I've had to learn from the experience. I'm
0: teasing. I'm teasing. (laughs) We only have about a minute and a half, maybe not even that a minute left with Michael. Lofton. there's a follow-up question here real quick from Lori who wanted to know more about the guidelines for organ donations. Uh, Is there a place where you might send her to find more information about the church's teaching on organ donations? Um, Or no, or cremation. Forgive me, cremation.
6: yeah actually but off offhand i don't uh i don't recall the actual source document at the moment feel free so to send I it my way but i can and put and it in it the comment section mm-hmm. later
3: yeah, all right. or send it my way i'll i'll mention it for yeah. tomorrow all right praise yeah. be to god
0: uh, michael lofton from reason and theology podcast on youtube thank you for your time it's always great to have you on for now that's a tough question next time i promise we're going to have some more doozies for you and uh, one of these days we're going to get you we're going to get you <laughs> god love you my friend have a great day thank you don't go anywhere after this break dr paul Kengor is going to be
3: on with us we'll be right back
1: this is dale alquist with a chesterton minute How many times have you heard the complaint that church is boring, that we just do the same things over and over again? Well, the problem is not that church is boring, it's that we are bored. We are the problem. And not just with church, but with everything else. We have lost our childlike sense of wonder. G.K. Chesterton says that children have abounding vitality, and yet they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again! And the grown up person does it until he's nearly dead. For grown up people are not strong enough to exalt in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exalt in monotony. It's possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org.
5: Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janelle, a, and here are your headline news. From Crooks, Mexican priests killed in crossfire in north central Mexico. A Franciscan priest was killed in the hail of gunfire as he returned from celebrating mass and providing sacraments in a rural Mexican village known for drug cartel conflicts. Father Juan Antonio Orozco, 33, was struck June 12th in the late morning as he drove in a rural region of western Durango State where he entered the crossfire of two groups fighting over the Durango to Zacatecas Highway. Bishop Luis Flores Calzada of Tepic said in a brief social media post, the bishop included a photo of the victim appearing to wear white robes lying in front of a red pickup that identified the Franciscan's parish ministry. The truck had several bullet holes. Franciscan Father Gilberto Hernandez spokesman for the Order of Friars Minor said the slain priest had traveled to celebrate mass in a rural village. Orozco was one of three Franciscan priests serving the Santa Lucia de la Sierra Parish in a rugged and isolated part of the Zacatea State. The spokesman said no threats against Orozco had been made, although even though the region had public security issues. The violent death of Orozco, known as Padre Juanito, marks the latest killing of a priest in Mexico. At least 29 priests have been killed in Mexico since 2012, according to the Catholic Multimedia Center. Epic Times reports Portlanders struggle as anti-police riots continue largely unnoticed by media. Communities and residents in Portland are still struggling as the anti-police riots continue without much coverage from the mainstream media. Portlanders who spoke to the Epic Times anonymously all agree that violence is becoming much worse and is unacceptable. There are brazen shootings and killings in broad daylight, which did not happen before this past year, said a 44-year-old man who lives in the Portland suburb. The violence is no longer limited to nights or certain neighborhoods. Some companies are having a hard time recruiting employees because people perceive Portland as a dangerous place and don't want to move here," said a 64-year-old woman who works in the information technology field. The violence and especially the perception of lawlessness have been very much affected hiring. Almost all national coverage of the Portland riots ended when federal agents withdrew in 2020. But the violent unrest has continued unabated and often unreported. For example, while most left-wing activists welcomed the Biden inauguration, Portland activists unveiled signs that read, We don't want Biden, we want revenge, and swarmed the U.S. Immigrations and Customs Enforcement Facility, throwing rocks, bottles, and a pepper-like spray from paintball guns. At one point, the air was so thick with gas and smoke that it was difficult to see, reported Oregon Live. Demonstrators also smashed the windows of Oregon's Democratic Party headquarters. From the Hill, bishops to debate banning communion for president. U.S. bishops are set Wednesday to open a controversial and divisive debate over whether President Biden, just the second Catholic president in U.S. history, and other politicians should be denied communion based on the stance of abortion. There will not be a formal vote on whether to deny Biden and other pro-abortion rights Catholic politicians communion on Wednesday, but the actions at the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops' three-day June General Assembly could lead to such a vote. The bishops will debate and vote on Thursday about whether to task a committee on doctrine to start a teaching document on the Holy Eucharist, which would include if it should be denied for high-profile politicians who support abortion rights. The document would then be up for debate subject to amendments and voted on at the group's next meeting in November It promises to be a testy discussion on a sensitive issue that is dividing people from the top of the Vatican With some bishops eager to make an example of Biden and others warning this would weaponize the Holy Communion And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a holy Wednesday.
0: Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, uh, Janelle, for keeping us up to date. I want to thank Real Estate for Life, realestateforlife.org for generously sponsoring Catholic Drive Time, making it possible, or at least partly possible, for us to get up at 3 a.m. five days a week and bring you the news and intelligent conversation. We're very grateful to them for their support. Realestateforlife.org. Thank you very much. Joining us once again by phone is uh, Grove City. College Professor of Political Science, uh, Dr. Paul Kengor, to talk about his book, The Devil and Karl Marx, Communism's Long March of Death, Deception and Infiltration. Now, you might recall about a month ago, we did a one hour conversation. We gave uh, the whole talk away to our email subscribers and played 20 minutes of it here on the show. And we just, I had to have him back because there wasn't enough time to talk specifically about the infiltration component. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Good morning to you, Dr. Dr. Kengor. Dr. Kengor, are you there? I'm going to have Adrian Fonseca, uh, uh, work out that, uh, that's, oh, oh, there you are. are you, praise are you be there? to God. I'm
2: just, oh, hi. Sorry about that. It's uh, good to have you how on. You well,
0: praise oh, be to God I, to I am alive, and it's good to have you on. Uh, you know, I have to tell you, before we jump into this, the, like, the, the, the second to the last section, like before the conclusion, that section is incredibly disturbing. Like, I almost mm. gave up at that point. Now, I'm not saying that to be yeah. critical of your book. I'm saying that to say how sure. perverse this material really, really is. How disturbing... Yeah. Uh, that the, the long march of communism uh, and infiltration really is in society. It is just so wicked. Um, that was a hard, yeah, well, hard yeah, part to and, get through.
2: And, and, well, imagine researching it, right? You know, knowing it. And, you know, I've known a lot of this stuff for years, and I've, I've taught, taught it in classes where I teach at Grove City College, Grove City, Pennsylvania. And, you know, I, I read it in documents and, you know, old congressional testimony. You know, this stuff is sworn sworn congressional testimony on the record by witnesses who went through it. And people often ask me, they said, you know, why why do you write so much? How do you write so many books? A lot of it is that I, I need to get this off my chest. You yeah. know, I need to I, I need I need I need the world to know <laughs> have people share in my torment and my suffering. <laughs> Gee, right? thanks. But but yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's it's the kind of thing that it's it's painful to read it's painful to know and i was um, i was speaking at a legatus uh, conference or in in uh, in indianapolis a few weeks ago and i was at a table having a discussion with a group of people my hosts and there's a priest there as well and i looked across to the priest and i and i said to him i said sometimes don't you feel in life like you'd rather not even know right you'd rather just kind of be oblivious and and we both agree that, um, no, you know, you're better off knowing about these things than not knowing about them, but knowing about it, you know, the truth they say will set you free, but well, the truth can also often torment you. When you see just, just how ugly this stuff really is.
0: It is very perverse. I was thinking about this just yesterday. I read an article in the Vanity Fair, not a sub, not a source I typically read, to be honest with you, but the headline caught my attention and it was detailing these wild, uh, paganistic, hedonistic parties that happen in Tech Valley among the tech oligarchs and their very uh, wealthy benefactors, their investors. And and I was reading this, I'm thinking, this is the same stuff that came out of the Frankfurt School, this is the same stuff that Dr. Ken Gore uh, details in his book about uh, the, the practices and the behaviors of these Marxists and we're seeing it in the headlines in the everyday resources now like Vanity Fair. So it. Uh, it's mind-boggling. But the what, the big reason why I wanted to bring you back was to focus on the infiltration component. I know we only have a few minutes, four or five minutes or something before we go to break, and then we'll, we'll come back and continue. But there's been a lot of conversation, in Catholic circles especially, online about the infiltration of the Church by communists and Marxists and whatnot. And I think it gets thrown around too casually, to be honest. Uh, th- not, a details, not a lot of details, not a lot of sort of corroborated uh, resources, but your book goes to like the nth degree to, uh, to bring about the, the sort of the, the credibility of this argument. Tell us, who are the players, the actors, who, why would they want to infiltrate our church? Uh, give us the background.
2: Yeah, and in fact, once I got done with the book and I saw the table of contents and I looked at it, the book has six parts in it. And part four is called Infiltration and Manipulation. And it has, I've got my own table of contents. I'm looking at it right here. There are six chapters in that part. And so that's longer than even the material that I have on Karl Marx. And, and 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 that's because there was this long sustained strategy of infiltrating and manipulating and deceiving the churches in America, and they and I'll and I'll say I guess right now before we go to break and then really hit the the Catholic part hard, but but where they had their greatest success, they being American communists, was with the mainline Protestant denominations, and and in particular the the, the Episcopal Church. The Presbyterian Church, what became Presbyterian Church USA. I'm a convert to Catholicism, Joe. I, I had been in PCUSA churches. Oh wow! And they, you know, yeah, they are they are now so liberal, and have gone kind of so far to the left. They are the incredible shrinking denomination, and you know even here in Grove City, Pennsylvania, which is the two largest. Churches were PCUSA churches. I was one of them, um, East Maine and Tower. They both just in the last five years split. You know, they they refer to we we used to refer to uh, product, uh, Presbyterianism as the split peas because they're constantly <laughs> splitting right into different denominations, and they've split yet again over um, ordination of homosexual pastors, female ordination, gay marriage, abortion. And I think the PCUSA mainline denomination, I believe it's down now to about one million people in America. That's it. Wow. So the Episcopal Church, Presbyterian Church USA, um, United Church of Christ, the United Methodist Church. UMC, they really got hammered by communist infiltration. And, and I, I think you can draw a direct line from that sort of infiltration of those churches to eventually the churches going, drifting off to the left, going to these other social justice issues, and being where they are today.
0: All right, hold that thought. Dr. Paul Kengor is our guest. His book is The Devil and Karl Marx, Communism's Long March of Death, Deception, and Infiltration. On the other side of this break, let's talk about the Catholic Church. Bella Dodd, who was she? Is she real? Did it happen? we are gonna conversate about that next.
2: This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. Sometimes it can seem that our family life is humdrum, monotonous, and insignificant. But Christ began His public ministry at the wedding at Cana. When we read this account in the Gospel, we're reminded that our marriage, our ordinary family life, is important to God.
4: Our Lord and Our Lady love our families, and they are present with us. They desire to change what is ordinary into the extraordinary. The
5: Lord can take our simple and everyday tasks and make them holy.
2: Like the servants at the wedding at Cana, we need to notice when we run out of wine. When we run out of joy, when we run out of love, it is then that we turn to our lady and ask for her help. She can bring Christ into our lives, our ordinary water, and transform it into wine.
5: And when we invite Christ
4: into our lives to transform us, he creates the best wine of all. For more advice, ideas, and encouragement, visit us at MessyFamilyProject.org.
3: Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Bay Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects homebuyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you.
0: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Great to be on with you this morning. Dr. Paul Ken professor of political science, political science at Grove City College, is our guest. His book is The Devil and Karl Marx, Communism's Long March of Death, Deception, and Infiltration. I went through the entire book through the audiobook, and Kevin O'Brien narrates it. He does a fantastic job. He uses all of his accent voices to illustrate, and it's disturbing to listen to him do it so well. To be honest, because of the level of perversity in these Marxists and communists, it's just it's it's a gut wrenching book. But it's so powerful and necessary because of the level of detail and research that's involved in this book. It's not. Uh, it, this is top-notch stuff, and I highly recommend it. Uh, welcome back to the program, Dr. Ken Gore. I want to jump into the uh, Catholic Church component. Bella Dodd, we've heard her name a thousand times from a thousand different commenters, but what do we really know about Bella Dodd and how much actual infiltration has occurred within the Catholic Church? Dr. Ken Gore.
2: Yeah, this is something I've followed for, for quite a while, Joe, and, and it, it has frustrated me. It's come in and out of the news and Catholic circles and news sources probably more in the last four or five years. Um, and especially, too, with, with, with more recent revelations about McCarrick and the, the abuse crisis. And people have asked, you know, how did this happen, right? You know, where did these people come from? You know, how did the church go awry? You know, what, you know, what happened here? And so oftentimes people have pointed back to the, to the testimonies of Bella Dodd. And she testified before, before Congress a bunch of times. You know, sworn, sworn testimony under oath. And one of the things that she is alleged to have said is that she, as a Communist Party USA organizer, and she was an actual member of Communist Party USA. Um, she was she was born in 1904. She died in 1969, and she was um, she she was a she was an organizer of the teachers' unions. I mean, she did she handled teachers, the you know, what they called the education front. And doing that for the state of New York, and it is incredible, but, but at one point in the 1930s, which would have been the height of Communist Party USA membership in America, which was um, probably about 100,000 members, uh, quite literally half of, the mem- half of the members of the Communist Party in all of America lived in New York City. <laughs> right? I mean, half of them. Wow. The New York City alone. So New York City, and that, that's according to the FBI, which had statistics on that. <laughs> so New York City was an absolute thriving hotbed of Communist Party USA, and and that's where Bella was. She had been raised as kind of nice Italian immigrant um, Catholic girl from New York, and then she and her friend uh, Ruthie Goldstein went to Columbia University. Which, which was just, I mean, that, that, Thomas Merton became a communist at Columbia. Whitaker Chambers became a communist at Columbia. And, and that was all that it took. They got, they got hooked there in some sort of summer seminar. She ended up, uh, working for the party, organizing the teachers in the state of New York. She put thousands, thousands of communists into the teachers unions. And so the communist party went to her and said, being the organizer that you are, can can you help us infiltrate Catholic seminaries? And 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 here's where so so she supposedly said that she helped place quote over a thousand communist men unquote in Catholic seminaries. And some figures say that she said 1,100. Some say that she said 1,200. Um, and, and if you go on different Catholic sources online. Um, and people are going to email me right after this, right <laughs> here, it is. listen to the clip. No, it's not there. And, and and I've listened to all these clips. They say that she's going to say it and then she doesn't say it. She, she never said as far as I can tell in congressional testimony, um, that she, that she did that. But the, the testimony I have right here in my office, I have her, her, her FBI file, which we've gotten declassified through a freedom of information act request. Oh, wow. Um, it, it, Yes, yeah, So she's ne- she. As far as we know, it, 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 she may have said it, but it hasn't been disclosed. A lot of it is still. I've never seen anything this classified in my in my life, Joe. I mean, the, the Rosenberg files have been de- declassified, the Alger Hiss files, but, but but Bella Dodd's file is still classified over seventy years later.
0: So what? So what do you? Amazing. What do you have then from the FBI versus what you don't have? I mean, can you make that distinction? Well,
2: so so we. Yeah, so we, we do have testimony from, there's a sworn affidavit by a woman named Janine Leininger. Uh, we have Alice von Hildebrand, who is still alive, and knew Bella Dodd and mm. spent a lot of time with her, including at Hunter College, where Bella Dodd taught. And there are other sources as well who say, no, we heard Bella say this. You know, she said, I, she directly told us she said, you know, that my job was to place over a thousand communist men. And I also quote here, um, well, not a direct quote, but, but uh, Fulton Sheen brought her into the faith. Mm-hmm. So she's a famous convert who came back into the faith through Fulton Sheen. And, and I speculate, I'm saying carefully, I speculate and that, uh, that, that she might have been told by Fulton Sheen not to talk about this publicly
3: oh, okay uh, that and, and, that's a great point because i had heard yep. in a interview i think it was an interview with alice von hildebrand where she said that uh fulton sheen under because he uh, she bella dodd was the spiritual directee of fulton sheen that he was she was told not to reveal the names of the people who were uh the infiltrators in the church uh, did you, were you able to yeah. come across any of that? Can you confirm that that's true or not true?
2: Yeah, it, it, this is absolutely fascinating. I walked through this in the book. I had, I, I had not known this a few years ago, but as I started walking through it, so it was Easter of 1952 that she came into the church, and, and then amazingly, right after that, articles appear in the New York Times about Fulton Sheen in Rome warning about, about a communist infiltration of the Catholic Church. This would have been right after he received her confession. Wow! And, and, you, and you read this and you think, wow, what a coincidence. Look at this, right? And, and he didn't say in his speech in Rome, and by the way, this is on good authority from somebody who I know who just came into the church and I heard her confession, and she had been a major player in the communist party. He didn't say any of that. But, but I, I think you can very easily connect with, I, I, I just cannot imagine, because she had this big, long confession, and you know, really heart-wrenching, confessed all of her sins, and she never felt worse about anything mm-hmm. than probably that. So, so I, I think Sheen must have absolutely got, uh, gotten that from her. And, and so, so, so I think there's no question, Joe, that, that, that she did, in fact, um, and there was, in fact, an attempt to infiltrate Catholic seminaries, uh, definitely an attempt to infiltrate the Catholic Church, no question about that, but but if you're looking for the sort of on-the-record, audio, print transcript statement of Bella Dodd saying, under congressional testimony or wherever, mm-hmm. I helped place 1,125 men in, in Catholic seminaries, I have not been able to find that um but but i but i think there's no question that that, um, that that she tried to help infiltrate mm. the seminary.
0: You know, it's interesting, when I was reading or going through listening to the audiobook version of your book, uh, on this particular section, I was thinking back about George Weigel's book, The End and the Beginning, where he talks about that uh, JP two knew that he had uh, archbishops and even cardinals in the payroll of the KGB, and they had infiltrated the Curie up to the highest level. He just chose to not, not I guess... Uh, take care of that. He just chose to soldier on doing whatever he was doing. So I found that very fascinating. But at best, would you say we have anecdotal evidence or strong circumstantial evidence, but we don't have objective smoking gun evidence?
2: Yeah, well, I'd, I'd say at least in terms of the exact numbers, right? And people have said to me, uh, well, well, who were they? What were their names? Well, we don't we don't know. I mean, that's something we don't. And by the way, the, the fact um, John Paul II, uh, I mean, the, the communists did this in in every country in the world. Okay, all of them. Uh, okay, so the idea that they wouldn't have tried it in America, I, I mean, there's just no way. And 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 it, and, and and also it it's it, it came at the exact same time that Earl Browder, who, who headed Communist Party USA pursued his policy of the outstretched hand to try to reach out to Catholics. So, that, so this all took place in the 1930s. And I'll give you some, some sort of hard data on this for people who might be thinking to themselves, oh, come on, a thousand? A thousand? I mean, that's a huge number. There's no way they would have done that. Well, I, I went through the numbers. And, you know, how many priests existed nationwide in America in the late 1930s? Well, in 1936, there were thirty thousand two hundred and fifty Catholic priests in the United States. By by nineteen sixty seven, there were sixty thousand. Okay, so so putting a thousand among sixty thousand for someone like Bella Dodd, who who, who, who you know had like ten thousand teachers in the New York State Teachers Union she was aiming for. If you would have went to her in thirty two in 1933, and say, can you help us place 1,000 communist men among the tens of thousands of seminarians and, and priests in the United States, she would have said, oh, that's a cinch. You know, yeah, yeah, give, you know, give me a week, <laughs> right? Wow. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I, could, I could do that. In fact, um, here, one more data point. In 1936, there were 23,579 Catholic men in seminaries. So you had 23,000 men in seminaries in 1936, and you had over 30,000 priests in 1936. One minute. So you're doing the math here, 53,000, and so of walk up to her and then with those kind of numbers say, hey, could you think you could maybe place a 1,000? Yeah. I should have been like, that's, you, you want five? How about five, right? How about right. 5,000, right? So, so 1,000, she would have looked at that and said, oh, pff, yeah, that's easy i could
0: do that wow that so, is so the only
2: question is whether or not it was done
0: that's a gut-wrenching uh, reality i think we have to accept and the question now becomes well wh- what do we do about it uh hopefully the wholesale rejection of, of marxism and communism which is what our lady fatima asked us to do uh but that's gonna have to do it for today dr paul ken and uh, the book the devil and Karl marx god love you dr ken thank you for being on with us again today
2: Short thing, Joe.
0: Take care. Looking forward to having you back soon. Uh, get that book at tanbooks.com. That's tanbooks.com. Pick it up. It's definitely a book you need to have on your shelf if only you read it for the. Uh the less than perverse parts. It's such a heart-wrenching part of that book, but check it out at Tambooks.com, The Devil and Karl Marx. All right, that's going to do it for hour number one. We'll see you in hour number two. Check us out online at grnonline.com forward slash cdd. God love you. Thank you for
4: joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't
1: forget to connect with us
5: How should I respond to someone who wants to know if I've been saved or born again?
7: Answer with a resounding yes. Tell them that it is through baptism that you were saved, just as the Bible says in 1 Peter 3.20, and that it is through baptism, water and the Spirit, that you were born again, just as the Bible says in John 3, verse 5. Many Protestants believe that they are saved by making a single act of faith at a single point in time in their lives. Nowhere does Scripture say such a thing. Catholics believe that salvation is a process which begins with our baptism and continues through all our lifetimes just as the bible teaches us many places in scripture talk about how one is saved but not one of them says we are saved by one act of faith at just one point in time again first peter 320 says that we are saved by baptism hebrews 12 14 says that we will not see the lord unless we are holy and that we must strive for this holiness matthew 6 verses 14 and 15 it says we must forgive others or we will not be forgiven Can you attain salvation if God hasn't forgiven you? No. So our forgiving others is necessary for our salvation. John 6 verse 54 says that we will have eternal life by doing something, eating the flesh and drinking the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In Matthew 19 verses 16 and 17, Jesus is asked directly what one must do to have eternal life. Did he say, accept me into your heart once and that's it? No. Jesus said to keep the commandments and you will have life. Yes, as Catholics we are born again, and as Catholics we believe that we were saved. As Paul says in Romans 8:24, that we are being saved, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 18, and that we will be saved, as Paul says in Romans 5, verses 9 and 10, provided we persevere and keep our eyes on the prize. Salvation is a process, just as Catholics believe, and just as the Bible clearly teaches. A beacon of truth in a troubled world.
3: This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
0: We just wrapped up a great hour with Dr. Paul Kengor, his book, The Devil and Karl Marx. You need to have that on your bookshelf. It's just, it's a gut-wrencher, okay, but it's an important book to have on your shelf because it's so well-researched and documented, and he's such an excellent writer. I can't recommend it enough, and that was a great conversation about the communist uh, infiltration in the church. It's the best documented, researched book on the subject, in my opinion, out there and available. And it's very balanced and, uh, and well thought out, so you should check it out, The Devil and Karl Marx. We also had a great segment with Michael Lofton. Now, that's a tough question, which is a fun segment. We're doing them once a month now, so we're taking the like the hardest questions you can come up with and throwing them at Michael, and he is doing such a good job of answering them. Uh, a really, really fun time, and we're grateful to have him on. So he's with Reason and Theology Podcast, which you can find on YouTube, by the way. Check it out, Michael Lofton Reason and theology. So that was the last hour. We will be posting those conversations as individual videos and such on our social media platforms, which is all linked up on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But you know what else is there is the live stream, which you can hang out. You can watch us live. You can chat live right on our webpage. So if you don't want to be on social media, you can go to our website and hang out there as well, grnonline.com forward slash cdt, as well as our podcast. Are you a subscriber of the Catholic Drive Time podcast? Well, let me invite you. Let me ask you, please subscribe on uh, the see, itunes how about google play stitcher or I, are we on spotify i don't even know but uh you can find yes, we are oh praise be to god so we're even on spotify make sure to subscribe and then do us a favor and leave a review now five stars is what we're asking for now you could chew us out and tell us what we're terrible at in the comments i we're all right with that but just give it a five-star rating because that will help us to grow the audience and reach new people for the glory of God, and for the salvation of souls. And we would be grateful for your support there. So the the podcast is also linked up at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Good morning to you, uh, Janelle.
5: Good morning, Joe.
0: Praise be to God. All good news this hour.
5: All good news and some very interesting good news as well.
0: Interesting good news. Yes, very interesting. Mm, You've Mm. piqued my curiosity. (laughs) I wonder what interesting good news could mean. Uh, Speaking of interesting and good news, Adrian Fonseca is here again.
3: Hello, it's good to be here. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, and, good morning. You know the uh you know the the Chinese proverb, uh, may you live in interesting times? Uh, not exactly a good thing. That's
4: a, it's referring to saying that... That's Check a, that's a, that's a, that box. It's a bad thing. So, you know,
3: ho- hopefully we live in uh, nice, calm times, you know, interesting times. But, you know, we do live in interesting times. We live we in very, very interesting times.
0: Definitely have checked that box. We do live in very interesting times. Uh, in this hour, praise be to God, we're going to have a great hour this hour. The Game Show is back this week. We're so excited to uh, be playing the the game again. We had a fun time yesterday with valerie as our contestant but you can be a contestant today all you got to do is be our first caller you can find the phone number linked up on our website as well as the rules and the links to the sponsors uh, but we will give you that phone number here shortly but if you want to call early so that you can guarantee your the contestant well that's the pr- praise be to god go for it it's all on the website grnonline.com Forward slash CDT. Otherwise, we'll give out the phone number shortly. The prizes this week are uh, are going to be great too. W- what what do we have uh, to give away this week, Janelle?
5: This week we have a. Um, a wonderful gift from Delphina Rose Art. She is offering the winner an 8 by 10 inch archival print of their choice on Whoa. watercolor paper and a new printable Marian consecration coloring book.
0: Praise be to God. Yes. That'll be fun. That'll it's be very fun. very fun. All right. So that's what's going to come up the first half of the hour. The next half of this hour. Hopefully you can join us for that too is what we call the after show where we get to conversate with you about whatever you would like to conversate about. You get to drive that conversation. So that is the agenda for the hour. Hopefully you'll join us for all or part of it. But let's dive in and pray for your intentions as well as our own. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, O most sacred heart of Jesus, pour down thy blessings abundantly upon thy church, upon the Supreme Pontiff, upon all the clergy. Give perseverance to the just, convert sinners, enlighten unbelievers, bless our parents, friends, and benefactors, help the dying, free the souls from purgatory, and extend over all hearts the sweet empire of thy love. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Another headlines with Janelle
5: Leigh. reports the Archdiocese of Boston gets first Vietnamese parish. The Catholic News Agency reports Catholic bishops to consecrate Middle East to the Holy Family. Catholic bishops will consecrate the Middle East to the Holy Family on June 27th. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem announced details of the act of consecration, which will take place in the year of St. Joseph, in a June 11th letter to his brother bishops. Patriarch Pierre Battista Pizzaballa indicated that it would take place during Mass in the Basilica of the Annunciation in Nazareth, with the participation of all the ordinaries of the Holy Land. We will bless a specially painted icon of the Holy Family inlaid with relics from the same Basilica of the Annunciation. The icon represents the painting from the Holy Family of Nazareth, with, which rests above the altar of St. Joseph Church in Nazareth, where, according to tradition, the Carpenter's House was. Once blessed, the icon will go on a pilgrimage starting from Lebanon to the countries of the East, until its arrival to Rome towards the end of the year of St. Joseph on December 8, 2021. From Rome, the icon will travel back to the Holy Land, where it will remain. In the letter, Pizzabala also said that Catholic bishops throughout the Middle East would celebrate an annual Mass for peace starting June 27th. He added that Pope Francis will give his apostolic blessing for the Peace Day in Rome. The Pope asked Catholics around the world last month to pray for peace following days of clashes between Israel and the Palestinian militant group Hamas in the Gaza Strip. From the Catholic World Report, CNA launches daily news podcast made for smart speakers. Catholic News Agency has launched a new audio news update designed specifically for smart speakers. Catholic News is a two-minute audio briefing of CNA's top stories of the day, powered by artificial intelligence. It's now available every weekday on smart speakers and podcast platforms. This is state-of-the-art stuff, said Alejandro Bermudez, executive director of the Catholic News Agency. Our hope is that this product will help today's Catholics stay informed about what's happening at the Vatican and the church around the world, Bermuda says. Catholic News draws on the expertise, resources, and integrity that readers have come to expect from Catholic news agencies. It provides a brand new and extremely convenient way to consume CNA's award-winning reporting. Those wishing to listen can ask a smart speaker, any smart speaker, a special launch phrase. For a Google Home speaker, the phrase is, Hey Google, play Catholic News. For those who own an Alexa device, the phrase is similar. Alexa, open Catholic news. Listeners can also search for Catholic news and subscribe on any podcast app. Lobster driver swallowed by humpback whale off Cape Cod from the Good News Network. In the Bible, God's unwilling messenger Jonah is cast into the sea and swallowed up by the Leviathan, where he spends three days and three nights rethinking the error of his ways before being tossed on Nineveh's shore to complete his appointed mission. On Friday, June 11th, 56-year-old Massachusetts resident Michael Packard wasn't fleeing the wrath of the Lord when he dived into the waters of Provincetown's Herring Beach Cove. He was diving for lobster. But in a straight out of a jaw scenario like Jonah before him, in one fell swoop, Packard found himself in the belly of a beast. A humpback whale, to be exact. All of a sudden, I felt this huge shove, and the next thing I knew, I was completely black. I could sense I was moving, but I could feel the whale squeezing the muscles in his mouth. Hackett's first terrifying thought was as he struggled in the darkness was that he'd been scarfed down by a great white shark. While it didn't take him long to realize the gullet in which he was uncomfortably lodged belonged to a whale rather than a toothy shark, his prospects for survival still didn't look good. The whale was also more distressed than he was. According to marine biologists, they can open their mouth through 90 degrees and unlock their jaw and have it drop down. The water is also pretty murky, and so when whales are doing these feeds, they're moving really fast. It was just an accident. I imagine the whale had this oh-my-goodness movement and probably got rid of him as quickly as he could. Packard is totally all right. Although he has suffered from minor Im- injuries, he is doing all right. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a good Wednesday.
3: The saint of the day is saint Lutgardis. Luth-Gardis. She was born in 1182 at Tongres, Limburg, Belgium. She was a pretty girl with a fondness for clothes and no apparent religious vocation. Luthgardes was sent to the Black Benedictine convent near St. Trond at the age of 12 because her dowry had been lost in a failed business venture and there was thus little chance for a life as a normal married laywoman. In her late teens, Lutgardis received a vision of Christ showing her his wounds, and in 1194, at the age of 20, she became a Benedictine nun with a true vocation. She had visions of Christ while in prayer and experienced ecstasies, levitated and dripped blood from the forehead and hair when enraptured by the Passion. Chosen as prioress for her community in 1205, she repeatedly refused to be abbess. The Benedictine order was not strict enough for Lutgardis, and on the advice of her friend St. Christina the Astonishing, in 1208 she joined the Cistercians of Arvais near Brussels in modern Belgium, where she lived for her remaining 30 years. She displayed the gifts of healing, prophecy, spiritual wisdom, and was an inspired teacher on the Gospels. Blind for the last 11 years of her life, she treated the affliction as a gift it reduced the distraction of the outside world and in one of her last visions christ told her when she was going to die she spent the remaining spent the remaining time in prayer for the conversion of sinners on the 16th of june 1246 she died at ivars modern ivers belgium of natural causes just as night office began on the saturday night following the feast of the holy trinity her relics were transferred to Itere, Belgium, on the fourth of December, 1796, to avoid destruction in the French Revolution. Saint Ludgardis, pray for us. Praise be to God in
0: all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter six, verses one through six and sixteen through eighteen. Jesus said to his disciples, "Take care not to perform righteous deeds in order that people may see them." Otherwise, you will have no recompense for your heavenly Father. When you give alms, do not blow a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, to win the praise of others. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your almsgiving may be secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will repay you. Of the Lord. Lord Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Intention, that was my subject of the Gospel Reflection, thanks to verboomcom forward slash GRN. But with only about a minute, minute and a half left to go, Adrian,
3: did you find anything interesting? Absolutely. And uh, I wanted to focus on hypocrisy for today. I mean, there's so much here as usual, but I think the one thing I wanted to point out is the idea of hypocrisy here. Cornelius Lapide, in his commentary on this passage, he says, Observe the Holy Scripture, the prophets, but above all Christ, detests hypocrisy and hypocrites, who intend one thing in their heart and pretend something else outwardly. For Christ's truth, simplicity, sincerity itself, Wherefore, he hates all falsehood and duplicity. And then uh, Cornelius Lapidus goes on further and he applies Psalm 120, of David praying against the hypocrites and applies it to our Lord's words here and says, deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What reward shall be given or done unto thee? O thou false tongue, even mighty and sharp arrows with hot burning coals. What is it, what is it being said here? Well, we often think of hypocrisy and we mistakenly think hypocrisy means that if we, uh, do one thing and say another if we don't live up to our standards but no i mean if we none of us live up to our standards because our standards should be christ which is perfection but instead it's whenever you hold one thing in your heart but pretend something else entirely outwardly and that's what hypocrisy is and that's what god hates all right praise be to god speaking of uh, hypocrisies uh
0: the the game show is coming up next um Let that sink in for a moment. But the game show's coming up next, and we are going to have a lot of fun in the process and give out prizes this week. You could be the contestant when you call 877-757-9424. Call right now. The phone lines are open. We're going to play the game show next at 877-757-9424. Three questions, you don't even need to know the answers at 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. And uh, right after this break, fear and trembling is back on the agenda. It's going to be fun. Looking forward to it right after this very short break.
6: Blessed John Paul II once said, As the family goes, so goes the nation,
1: and so goes the whole world in which we live.
4: How easy it is to point fingers and place blame for the mess in which our society has found itself, but stop just for a minute and ask, what have I done to make it better? Is my family doing anything to improve the world?
6: Possibly the most effective thing a family can do for society is pray together regularly. Pray for our president every single day. Pray for all our government leaders, our bishops and priests, our teachers, our military, our business owners.
4: Create a list of family petitions. If the teenager puts an anonymous prayer request on the list, let it be anonymous.
1: Prayer is our greatest weapon to change the nation and the world.
4: Remember what Father Patrick Payton said, the family that prays together stays together. This has
6: been a minute for your marriage and family with Balanced Families Ministries.
0: praise be to jesus christ welcome back to catholic drive time and fear and trembling the catholic trivia game show where we have a secret and hidden agenda so please do me a favor and do not tell anybody that i have told you this keep this just between us but we like to do a few things here on the game show okay number one we like to teach the faith so we look for teachable moments questions that will be teachable moments because we always tend to learn something we did not know before. That's a good thing. We like to have a laugh in the process, and of course, our contestants tend to be really fun and laugh right along with us, and it's just a good time, and praise be to God for that. And then, of course, we give out prizes, and that makes it a winner for everybody involved. But if you're just joining us and you do not know what in the world are you listening to or watching and what is going on, well, let me explain. We have three Catholic trivia questions. They are official Catholic trivia questions, Uh, but I don't ask the caller these questions. So the caller does not even need to know the answers in order to still win the game. Praise be to God, because I will ask instead, Janelle and Adrian, and one of them will be right and the other will be wrong. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Who do they trust more, Janelle or Adrian? And that is how the game is played. So let's go to the phones. If you tried to call in and didn't and don't make it onto the show today, well, praise be to God. Thank you for doing that. Try calling tomorrow. We still have an opportunity for Thursday and Friday to get in on the prize. Speaking of which, before we go to the phones, what is the prize again, uh, Janelle?
5: The prize is an eight by ten inch archival print of their choice on watercolor paper and a new printable Marian Consecration coloring book.
0: All right, and yes. where, where, who's, what's the name of our sponsor?
5: So our gracious sponsor is Delphina Rose Art. They sell art prints and printable Catholic coloring books.
0: Delphina Rose Art over on Etsy. God love you and God bless you. Thank you, Delphina Rose Art for your generous support of our game show today. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Juan, good morning to you. Thank you for being a part of our program.
2: Hey, good morning.
0: Praise be to God. Where are you calling from, Juan? Yeah, I'm right here in Pearland. Pearland, Pearland, Texas. That's uh, south of Houston, if I'm not mistaken.
3: Correct, yeah.
0: And where do you go to church, Juan?
2: Well, I do go to St. Luke's and also attend... uh, Queen of Angels
0: and Dickinson. Sure. Praise be to God. Now, Juan, uh, have you been listening to the show? Do you know how the game is played? Do you understand the rules?
2: Uh, This is my first time calling.
0: Wonderful. uh, I
2: I heard you just a minute ago, but I might have missed one
0: So let me explain real quick. So I will not ask you these questions. You don't need to know the answers to these questions. I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to ask Janelle and I will ask Adrian this question. Each of them will give an answer. One of them will be right and the other will be wrong. You, sir, will have 15 seconds on the clock to decide who do you trust more janelle or adrian and then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win the prize this week so that is how the game is played now you have to be careful janelle and adrian can be very tricky they may try to fool you i however am on your side i am here to support you and make sure you are in the coffee cup so to speak are you ready to play one I am let's do this alright Janelle we will start with you are you ready
5: I'm ready Mr. Joe are, are
0: you sure yes sir are you sure I'm ready Janelle can you tell me what is the highest holiday in the Jewish calendar which occurs 10 days after Rosh Hashanah
5: okay the highest holiday in the Jewish calendar which occurs 10 days after Rosh Hashanah yeah yeah I'm going to go with Hanukkah Hanukkah? Yes
0: are, are you sure?
5: That's the only Jewish holiday I really know
0: Oh, okay All right Let's see what uh, Let's see what Adrian has to say Adrian, can you tell me What is the highest holiday In the Jewish calendar Which occurs 10 days after Rosh Hashanah
3: Ah, oh, yes Rosh Hashanah That would be uh, Yom Kippur Wow, of very, course. very confident Of course uh, Yom Kippur What is that in English? Do you
0: know? That is the Day of Atonement. Huh. Okay. Okay. So uh, Adrian is on the hook for Yom Kippur, or Day of Atonement. And uh, Janelle is on the hook for Hanukkah. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Juan, what say you? Yes,
2: it it's Adrian Yom yeah, Kippur. Yeah.
0: Survey says, wow. There we go very well done very i, I it deserves it Impressive. Yeah, it deserves a... absolutely good job, Juan did you know that was that was that fairly easy for you? You seemed to like nail that pretty easy uh,
2: i I had it on the tip of my tongue um, what what the uh, the name of the, that holiday was, but i just couldn 't
0: you know but you weren 't fooled at all I'm by Janelle eye, and hanukkah that didn 't throw you. you you seemed like that you weren 't phased by by Janelle's, uh, uh, you know, shenanigans over there. You ready to go well, for the second know, question? Second. <laughs> You're yeah, in the cup, right. sir. So you've got one try. Let's go for two. We're gonna start with Adrian this time. This should be an easy question. I think this is all easy question Wednesday today. Mm, uh, I don't know. A- Adrian, can you tell me the Church Triumphant refers to members of the Church who reside where?
3: The Church Triumphant. Hmm. You know, that would be because, you know, triumphant refers to, like, you know, the trumpet. It'd be the church residing in the choir.
7: Excuse me. Pardon me.
0: In the choir, you say? Yes, sir. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Let's see what uh, Janelle has to say. Janelle, can you tell me the church triumphant refers to members of the church who reside where?
5: That is most definitely heaven.
0: (laughs) Most? Yes. Are you... Are you throwing a dig at Adrian? I'm just curious. Well,
5: am mm, I? Uh mm. Uh All
0: right. So uh, Janelle is on the hook for heaven, of course. And uh, Adrian is on the hook for the choir Uh, because trumpets are involved. I I got confused. Happiness uh, is with the choir. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Janelle or Adrian? Juan, what say you? Uh,
3: I'm going to have to go with Adrian again. Survey says
2: oh,
6: I'm oh. so sorry, Juan.
0: Well, in fact in fact Adrian was uh, was definitely wrong. He was Duh. He was definitely wrong. Okay, so the answer is in fact a heaven because the church triumphant which they have triumphed over this life and made it to the beatific vision. They are in heaven. The church militant would be us here on earth suffering through this life, making our pilgrimage towards the beatific vision. What's the in-between spot, Adrian?
3: The in-between spot, that would be purgatory. And what do we call those members? It's not really in-between spot because it's you're, you're going to heaven. It's not actually in between. Uh, you know but no, what What do we call them? Uh, that's the, church the church suffering. S- the church suffering. Because they are suffering in the fires of purgatory. Yes. Which yes. Thomas says are the same fires from hell. That's true.
0: Uh, so there you go. It's the church triumphant are in heaven, but do not fear one. You are in the cup once. I think we can get you in there again. Uh, and a little, just a little friendly tip hint. This question is somewhat related to something Adrian might have just said. Impossible. let's go let's Impossible. go let's go back to Janelle for the third attempt here. Janelle, can you tell me? what is the place or state where the souls of good people stayed before Christ's redemption?
5: Ooh, uh, I, I, I think they're hmm, the place or state where souls of good people stayed before Christ's redemption?
0: So we're like we're talking. Abraham, things Abraham. like that. Yeah.
5: Okay, well, I, I think they have a spot in heaven. I think they were in heaven during you, that time.
0: They're Full on heaven, before yes. Christ's redemption. Yes. Huh. Wow. Okay, so let's go with Adrian. Adrian, can you tell me, what is the place or state where the souls
3: of good people stayed before Christ's redemption? That'd be the bosom of Abraham, or limbo of the fathers, or just limbo. Okay. All those are valid, same thing. Wow, that's like a whole paragraph. All right, so Adrian is on the
0: hook for Limbo, Limbo of the Fathers, Bosom of the Abraham, and I forget what else he said. And Janelle is on the hook for nope. They're straight up in heaven. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Juan, what say you? Yeah, that's
7: just Adrian and uh, Limbo.
0: Survey says yes. There we go. Well done. Well Two done. Two for three. Duh, Duh boy. Duh. That sounds an awful familiar tone there, Janelle. Everybody goes to heaven, huh? There's no uh, no, no need to worry about anything anymore. Of course they weren't in heaven, yet Christ hadn't been redeemed. Juan, good job. We're going to put you on hold. You're in for two in the coffee cup of Divine Providence. You'll have to tune in on Friday to see if it's God's will that you are the winner, sir. But we're very grateful to you. God love you, uh, and uh, have a great day and that was a fun That's a fun thing. praise be to God we're going to put you on hold so we can get your phone number and that is going to do it for the radio side of our program praise be to God thank you for joining us what comes up next across the GRN is the Holy Mass if you're going to listen in or attend Mass today please do us a favor keep us in your prayers if you can and would like to join us for our after show jump on the live video stream on YouTube Facebook Twitter or just go straight to our website and hang out there grnonline.com forward slash cdt you can watch and comment there grnonline.com forward slash cdt otherwise we'll see you back here at 6 a.m thank you for joining
4: us on your catholic drive time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired join us monday through friday at the same time right here on your favorite catholic radio station
1: don't forget to connect with us just go to Facebook.com.
0: Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time.
7: Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
0: Praise be to God. Welcome back to the uh, the after show of the... Catholic the drive time where we conversate a little bit more show. Ca- casually, where hashtag accidental heresies happen. Apparently, uh, well, let's jump into that here in a moment. But uh, welcome to the after show. We hopefully uh, will have a great and fun conversation with you. You get to drive that conversation, whatever you want to talk about. Praise be to God. All you have to do is comment. Let us know what's on your mind. Where you're from, what you're doing, and if you uh, if you have <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ah, uh, that's funny. I've been caught on accidental heresies. That's hilarious. We're gonna I'll tell you what happened. But if you have never commented before, do us a favor and comment for the first time. We haven't given anybody first time commenting love in, in a long time. It feels like a week, at least a week.
3: It's probably over a week well, at this point.
0: Last week we skipped because of the share-a-thon so it was more than a week now. And we're having withdrawals. So if you've never commented before, be sure to comment I need so, to all buttons. so we can get, get some uh, first-time commenter love going today. But uh, don't do I know it. it. I'm telling you. Exactly. We, we, God, please send us some first-time commenters. And by the way, mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. So I was rushing to end the show there or the radio side of the show. And uh, I accidentally threw in some heresy there. <laughs> totally unintentional. It totally understands you know <laughs> hashtag accidental heresies. It happens. Okay. So clarity is charity. I I said what did I
7: say? Exactly. You said
3: uh the you were referring to Janelle saying that the that they all went straight to heaven. Yeah. And you said Obviously, they didn't go straight to heaven. Jesus hadn't been (laughs) redeemed yet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's terrible. Of course, Jesus does not need redemption. He's God. He's Jesus. He is our savior. He is our redeemer. Of course, he doesn't need himself redemption. What? uh, I need someone to like, I need a, where's my dub button?
4: Not enough coffee, Joe. Uh, You didn't have enough coffee.
0: Yeah, no, I deserve the... Yes, I do. It's true. It's
3: (laughs) It's pretty funny. It's true. But I also might deserve (laughs) the horns of the apocalypse. But you know what happens? It's not completely uncommon for people. That's That's the whole point of having a distinction between material and formal heresy. Because material heresy is simply... Whenever you say something heretical, but you don't actually necessarily mean it or know it because uh, sometimes you just get a slip of the tongue and you accidentally say Jesus had two nature or you'll say Jesus is two persons rather than two natures. And if you say that, then you're a material heretic, but it's like, oh, I meant to say he had two natures, not he's a two persons. And that happens. I mean, it happens. But if you actually believe it and then you uh, and then you're corrected and you continue in that, that's when you become a formal heretic And that's whenever you're in mortal sin. Yeah. So, So anyway, uh, mea culpa, mea culpa. But the good news, the good news is that Dominic said you should make a button that says Adrian is a friend of mine. Oh, come on, man. I
1: don't
5: know about
3: that.
7: (laughs) Uh, Very important.
3: Very
0: important. Uh, Uh,. Uh, Tammy somehow is mistaken. She thinks second-time
3: commenters get the Jesus friend of mine. Um, That's genius. Uh, although th- everybody here has pretty much but commented she, for a she, long is time. Is she
0: pushing the horns back to third-time commenters? Aww. What? Uh,
3: what? what? The unfortunate thing is everybody here has commented like many times. What's up
0: with that, Tammy? We're not? I know everybody. Pretty much everybody here is like a, is a regular, a fiftieth time commenter or something.
6: Yeah. No.
0: Come on. The horns, ha- the horns had pride of place. Clearly. Pride though, of place. Pride of place.
5: Pride the, of place. It's,
0: it's, they are the preeminent button on the... Uh, I mean, he even it's uses... the primary instrument of the mass. He, use, <laughs> he uses the uh,
3: the trumpet. Mr. Trumpet or choir loft over there. It's not a horrible analogy. I mean, that's <sighs> kind of where the word triumphant comes <sighs> from. Blowing the trumpets when you had come into town after a victory. So they blow the trumpets, kind of mm-hmm, get mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. evolution of the word evolution, huh? Yeah, Not I inter- in evolution. interesting choice of words. Evolution, yeah. evolution, because we all evolved from monkeys. I mean, fish, <laughs> fish. I mean, rocks, intangible, Ad- intangible <laughs> objects, non-rational beings, non-rational beings, something like that. From nothing, from we, nothing, we evolved from nothing from spontaneously, of right. course. We just, just popped into existence. Poof. There you go. We just quantum tunneled in. <laughs> quantum
0: tunneled yeah oh you know that's that's it's funny now we're going into down rabbit and tangent holes tangents down rabbit holes thank you um whenever like charles dawkins or whatever uh the the talk about well you know life started from aliens from from another planet doesn't it beg the question okay well then what started how did life start there from wherever it came from where does where does it begin there As if it just simply answers all the questions that uh, life came from some other planet, some quantum tunnel, as uh, Adrian would say.
5: I like how you combine the names of Charles Darwin and and Richard Dawkins. Yeah,
3: (laughs) you're welcome. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I just compressed two people into one. (laughs) Lori said, and and when you write a book about heresy, you become a published heretic. (laughs) 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 That's good. Yes.
0: (laughs) Dominic. Genevieve, good morning to you. Praise be to God. It's good to see you guys. Good
5: morning, barrier family.
3: The one thing I do uh, like about uh, what Joe said, because there's only one thing that I liked about it. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Can (laughs) we put that on a button? The one thing I liked about
0: what Joe said should be on a button.
3: (laughs) But the uh, the thing is that Thomas argues that you can actually, even if the universe was eternal, that mean that you could still prove that God exists. Right. He believed that the universe came into being because Genesis shows that our Lord spoke and everything came into being. But Thomas thought that you could actually still prove that God exists and and hold to an eternal eternality of the universe, which kind of goes in with like just things spontaneously coming into existence. So even if that was true, you basically have the idea of the infinite chain. So you have like a chain that's holding up a chandelier. And then on that chain is another chain. And on that chain is another chain. And if you had an infinite amount of chains, you still would, the, the chandelier still wouldn't be hanging because it has to be attached to a wall. Um, and that wall, that ceiling is uh, what we would call God. And so that's uh so even if there is an eternality of the universe, uh, there still would need to be something outside of the universe that sustains the existence of the eternality of that yeah. thing. Yep, the unmoved mover. We should uh, we should cover that. Maybe maybe we
0: get Dave Palmer on back to the father, and we have a conversation about the, the uh, Saint
3: Thomas Aquinas. Well, this proofs. one's more specifically the uncaused cause. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, but you know, what I was thinking in general is why don't we uh, why don't we book that? Why don't we have a conversation around uh, Saint Thomas Aquinas' proofs for the existence of God? Yeah, that could be fun. That
5: would be very fun. I'm yeah. always
0: huh? I'm always in, st- I'm always in
3: uh, favor of talking about Thomas. So. I, did, I didn't know that. That's, I'm writing that down, hmm, taking I'm, a note. I'm actually texting Father. I'm texting Father Thomas Aquinas right now. Father Thomas Aquinas, uh, or Father uh, Thomas Petri or Father Aquinas. Yeah, yeah. There's like 50 Father Thomases and Father Aquinases and Father Thomas Aquinases. Is That's what Sister Thomas like Aquinas. that narrows things, right? It's like. Uh, Anyway,
0: I'll get it wrong if I try it. What I was going to say St. Saint Tr- Saint Teresa at the, the Vietnamese Dominican convent. If you just say St. Teresa, it's like half of the convent.
5: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Teresa is such a like popular Vietnamese name, too. Speaking so. of
0: which, uh, good morning, St. Teresa of Avila.
4: Good morning.
0: Praise be to God. Bring that mic a little closer. Okay. Yeah, just grab grab the handlebar. There you go. Uh, how's it going?
4: It is going good this morning. Yeah?
0: Yeah. yeah. Praise be to God. Oh, yeah, yeah. You made it here in I one piece?
4: One piece.
0: Yeah. Quickly. Uh, <laughs> it's not, you, it must be nice. <laughs> I, I, Adrian and I wouldn't know. I mean, we we both come from the hinterland. He's more hinterland than I am, but it's still pretty far out. Yep. 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 It, it adds up fast.
3: But the, uh, pretty soon, I'll be the only one from the hinterland. Maybe. Um, I was thinking about moving closer but I'm not sure if I'm going to do it or not. We'll see. I haven't made... It. I told them, nah. But then they were like... my Me and my buddies were thinking about t- getting a house closer to the studio. Um, and also closer to uh, Regina Chaley Parish. And we were um, talking about it. And I was like, eh, I don't really want to do it. But the, they're trying to convince me to do it now. Because there's supposed to be four of us. And if there's only three, the rent is going to be way higher. Yeah. So they're trying to convince me. <laughs> um, so I'm not sure. We'll see what end up, ends up happening. It would be nice because it's only uh, 15 minutes from the studio <laughs> uh-huh. versus right now it's an hour from the studio. <sighs> so, and I drive 100 miles a day. And yeah. so I would be only driving like 40 miles a day, which is like, like the, just saving on gas and saving on car maintenance would probably cover my entire rent. So yeah, I don't know. Sure. I'm, uh, I'm for sure. I'm doing the coin toss. We'll see uh, what I decide. I, uh, I've been driving an hour to get to work since
0: probably 1999, roughly speaking, averaging it out. I've been driving to work since 2012, if that counts school. <laughs> uh, well, I've been driving to work further, <laughs> further back than that, but a- an a- a generally an average of about an hour to work, rounding up, rounding down a little bit here and there along the way, since about 1999. I would love... <laughs> a fifteen minute commute and that'd be like that would be just so amazing to just get like you just get up and just mosey on over to the office wouldn't that be amazing that'd be pretty pretty incredible
4: it is I've never ever 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 worked close to home I've been like you uh-huh. uh having to do that uh forty minute fifty minute commute yes and it gets uh, now, it gets old
0: now when I was in New Hampshire when I started that process, it was legitimately an hour because it was just everything was far away. You're just driving an hour, not even mileage. It's not about the miles. It's about just the length of time. It just took forever to get anywhere. Uh, But here, I mean, just to get across town takes you an hour. I mean, it's just everything takes so much longer. And the nice thing is at 3.30 in the morning when you're no driving, traffic. there's no traffic. You know what's annoying about 3.30 in the morning, though, is when there's only one other car and they're hanging out right next to you down the highway. Mm-hmm. It's like all of this highway is available. Do Enjoy you need, your freedom, people. Do you need to be right there? I it's, mean It's like, the perfect time of day for a motorcycle. It's like, are you hooked up? I mean, am I carrying you? Like, what, what's going on there? Like, it's a lonely car. Pick your own lane, pal.
3: Yeah. Mike uh said St. Thomas was the reason why my confirmation name is Thomas. He was an amazing man. Ayn Rand said he was said he was her favorite philosopher. I hope she listened before she died. I don't think so. Ayn Rand uh hated religion. It, it really really hated religion. She liked um, Thomas because she was an Aristotelian but she hated Platonism and I don't think she quite understood Thomas's position well enough because Thomas was an Augustinian and Augustine was a Platonist so there's a lot of Platonist uh, influence in Thomas um, and uh, but it's very interesting Ayn Rand, that would be a great interview to talk about Ayn Rand because he, uh, Ayn Rand, she has a huge influence on the Republican Party today. And uh, there's a lot, so many errors in Ayn Randian philosophy. and uh, The idea of selfishness as a virtue, which is nonsensical. Um, and the other thing is, it's also in our movies, in our TV shows. Now, most famously, um, Zack Snyder, he is an Ayn Randian. And so he if you watch his movies he has that pull yourself up by the bootstraps um I don't owe anybody anything uh mentality imbued in mm-hmm. his movies yeah. and most notably uh which is most jarringly is in his Man of Steel movie in Superman he made Superman who is, is typically your your truth justice the American way your hopeful character who does no wrong the jolly big, uh, blue boy scout uh, and they made him an Ayn Randian character who uh, is like, you know, I got I I, I'm doing it because I want to do it, not because it's the right thing to do, but just because I want to help people, yada yada yada. And it's, uh, it, it, it's all originates with Ayn Randian philosophy. So it's very interesting.
0: Mike also said he's been walking 20 feet for the last year <laughs> to get to feet work. <laughs> <laughs> because of the pandemic, I'm guessing. Yeah, praise yeah, be to God. Nice. Before that, I guess he was going to airports. I did a lot of flying in 2019. Myself, that uh, was. Uh, I had a different position with the network, and I was flying quite a bit then too. In 2020, really, really uh, changed all of that. That's for sure. Hey, I think we got a first-time commenter.
5: I think so. Where
0: too, on fa- on YouTube, rather?
3: I don't want to even check what? it before I uh, praise
0: be to God. I'm just going to give it to him. Praise be to God. Who is
3: it? Houston um, here. Yeah,
0: Houston, Houston here. here. Houston Howdy, here.
3: Houston here. Says
0: many years ago, I met a scientist who was going to SETI. On behalf of then-Pope JP II, as an observer, she had a stop over here in Houston, and our church group had hosted her. Interesting. Praise be to God. Uh, Wow. Well, thank you, uh, Houston, here, for commenting for the first time. We're very grateful to you, and we like to play the the hallelujah acclamation for our first-time commenters. The next time you comment, however, it'll be a different sounder, but it's still a celebration. It's still all positive and a celebration. Praise be to God. Let's see who else. Uh, Buddy says over on Facebook, that's what I missed about Okinawa. You woke up and you were at work. Yes. It, I missed Okinawa. I, so my uh, when, when I was served in the Marine Corps and I was in the fleet, I was at uh, Miles 24 in Kanewe Bay, Hawaii on um, Oahu, a beautiful place to live, by the way. Very expensive. And they're going through a crazy time right now. That's for sure. But and similarly, the barracks is you know five minutes from your from your work, which was quite nice. I was supposed to go to Okinawa and deploy with my buddies, but my gunny did not. Uh, my gunny and I didn't get along very well, and so uh, gunny is like, "You're not going anywhere, McLean. You're gonna stay right here, right underneath my uh, my wing." So probably better. So all my buddies deployed to Okinawa, and
3: I stayed in Hawaii. Um, real quickly, I just you? remembered the Hawaii. yeah, I know right. Um, the Michael Lofton sent me the information about the organ doning and about, um, and I think he also sent me something about the, um, cremation. I'll just read it for y'all. He said, here are a couple of resources I was thinking of, but couldn't recall at the moment. Uh, quote, the transplant of organs is morally acceptable with the consent of the donor and without excessive risk to him or her before allowing the noble act of organ donation after death. One must verify that the donor is truly dead by the compendium of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, section 2296, compendium section 476. Uh, that's uh the notable thing is truly dead. And there needs to be an understanding of what death is. Uh, Theologically speaking, death is a separation of the body and soul. Medical death has a ton of different definitions. You can be medically dead and then resuscitated just by um, using defibrillators. You can be uh, brain dead. Um, There's like several different kinds of death that are not actual death. It's only medical death. Uh, so that's very important when it says truly dead. Uh, here's the other one. He linked the act of love, which is expressed with the gift of one's own vital organs, is a genuine testimony of charity that knows how to look beyond death, so that life always wins. The recipient should be aware of the value of this gesture that one receives of a gift that goes beyond the therapeutic benefit. When the receive, when they receive, it is a testimony of love, and it should be, it should give rise to response equally generous, and in this way. Grows Culture of Gift and Gratitude. That's Benedict Sixteenth, and from his address on uh, at, a, at a conference entitled A Gift, and then John Paul II, to the attendees at the International Congress of Transplants in Rome, said, Transplants are a great step forward in science's service of man, and not a few people today owe their lives to an organ transplant. Increasingly, the technique of transplants has proven, proven to be a valid means of attaining the primary goal of all medicine, the service of human life. There is a need to instill in people's hearts, especially in the hearts of the young, a genuine deep appreciation of the need for brotherly love. A love that can that can find expression in the decision to become an organ donor. So I think essentially here, what is being said is, and I have to ask him to send me something on cremation because all that was on organ doning. Uh, but... Here, I think essentially what is, what is being conveyed is that, yes, it is totally permissible and could even be seen as a virtue in certain circumstances, but you should never harvest the organs of someone while they're still alive, and we should um, use them only when they're actually dead, which is very important.
0: Yeah. Uh, Camilla George on Facebook. That's a new commenter, am I not
3: mistaken? Honestly, Camilla from Facebook, uh, if you are a new commenter, uh, let us know. I feel like, forgive me if I'm wrong, that this is a fake account.
0: Oh, (laughs) well, there you go, folks. I guess we'll find out. Uh, Let's see. Um, Mike said... Being stationed in Hawaii is not as awesome as vacationing there. That is true. However, I uh, I did get to do a lot of very cool stuff when I was in Hawaii. But my big regret about Hawaii is not doing more of the cool stuff. So I went scuba diving at Sharks Cove and North Shore. We went, you know, swam through caves. I had a cool scuba diving instructor. He was a Navy SEAL in Vietnam, and his job in, in Nam was to swim the rivers and put uh, bombs on little little boats and such. And uh, he was a bit crazy, actually. But uh, we had a great time scuba diving. If I could go back, I would do that a ton more than what I actually did. Uh, But I did do a lot of uh, snorkeling and swimming, of course, in uh, in some of the beaches. Hanama Bay, when I was there, I left in 95. When I was there, Hanama Bay was amazing today it's it's insane you have to pay to go you you can't even go down to the beach you have to stay up you have to you have to make reservations they only let like 750 people in per day when i was there i would go to the beach and at hanama bay and stay there all day you could feed the tropical fish by hand and it was just so amazing but uh things have really changed there quite a bit so i'm grateful for my time in hawaii i just wish i would have done more of the really cool stuff and less of the uh, sinful stuff that I was into at the time. But God's will be done in all things. What else is uh, 10 minutes to go uh, left in our casual conversation? Whatever's on your mind, please let us know. You have to jump over to the other. Uh, I went to Maui. We actually uh, we, we had a sergeant in our unit. Maui, like from Moana? Yeah. Uh, um, we had a sergeant in our unit who had his pilot's license, and he was always looking for uh, people to help pay for gas so he could get more flight time. So he was, he'd always make the rounds around the shops because uh, I was swinging with the wing in Malice 24, and, uh, and he would, he'd give us opportunities. So long as we split the gas tank, he would take us to other islands. So we went to Malice. We flew over, in fact, the leper colony of St. Uh, Damien of Molokai. We flew right over that, and it was really cool. And we got to see some very cool stuff from the air in the tiny little plane. You ever flown in a tiny plane before? How many people have flown in a very, like a Cessna? Dude, I don't like flying in planes at all. It, it, by ever. show of hands, how many people have flown in like a, a one-prop job uh, Cessna? It's, uh, it's an interesting ride, that's for sure. Okay. It's an interesting ride. Mike says he was in Hawaii in 2001-2002 time frame. I'm sure it's changed a lot. Yeah, for sure. It's changed quite a bit now. It's a tourist trap. but they, The pandemic really... All the tourist locations around the world took a major hit in the pandemic. And Hawaii is definitely one of them. But I'm sure they're going to be... They'll recover, prayerfully. They'll, hopefully, they'll all come back. Yes. Uh, praise so. be to God in all things. What else is going on?
3: That was fun conversation with Dr. Paul Ken Gore. He's a great guest. Yeah, we. it's impossible to cover everything with him. I was like, oh, I wish we had like another hour to talk to him again. And yeah. we're still having... Yeah. Uh, I wanted to explore the the Fulton Sheen question more. Yes. Um, and it's just... It was so There's so much there... And it's just, it's just impossible. I, I'm just going to have to get the book. I don't have the book, so I need to buy it. Uh, I was putting it off. I was like, ah, I don't need the book. We talked to him already. I've heard a couple of interviews with him. And every time, he's like, yeah, I have a chapter on that. I I can only say this much about it right now. I don't have enough time. And I'm like, oh, I guess I need to get this book. So Yeah.
0: Yeah, the book is great. It's so well researched. It's so well put together. I mean, it's solid. So... It, there are books out on the same subject that I feel aren't as nearly as good as this book when it comes to infiltration. Now the real key kicker about this book is the the common thread of marxism and communism and how it pervades our culture and has spread its errors all over the world. You know, the the errors of Russia as our lady warned us and this book really details and illustrates that very clearly with with you know cited sources and, and all of it. It's very very good. I definitely would recommend it, but there are, like I said, there's a section in this book that is so hard to get through because of the grotesque and perverse lifestyle of these people, Um, especially those in the Frankfurt School. Very perverse. It's gross. Now, he tries to, he tries to, he doesn't like get into the gory details, but he gives you enough to illustrate, but even that enough is like, it's gross. By the way, Mike says he was Coast Guard. Uh, Thanks for your service. I actually served uh, as a kid in high school. I was also – in high school, I I went uh, to Air Force ROTC, and I actually did go to uh, Lackland Air Force Base and went through uh, basic training with the Air Force as a kid in high school. I also was a part of the Naval Sea Cadets in high school, and I spent a summer, and I went to boot camp up at the Great Lakes. And then after that summer, the next summer, I got sent to Hawaii to serve with the Coast Guard for the summer. Uh, the small boathouse there in Honolulu. And that was a blast. We would get, the chief would take us out in the Zodiacs and we would chase down, uh, you know, drunken uh, boaters, joyriders. And, you know, we'd, we'd hang on to the bit up, up the front, the bow of the boat, and he would jam on the throttle and we'd hit those waves and we'd go airborne. We'd be literally flying like Superman. It was so crazy we take the 42-footer out at night and go out 12 miles off the coast and you know, bring back people who had ran out of gas. and We did so many cool, cool things with the Coast Guard. It was so much fun. Naval Sea Cadets was a blast. He says his dad was born in 37. He went to the seminary, Augustinian, praise be to God, and realized he wanted to have a family. He is now a deacon. Wow, that's super cool. He spoke about the infiltration of the church when I was a kid in the 70s. Wow, no kidding. Wow. Oh, you just, you just, you, uh, Mike, uh, deployed with the Marines into Haiti. That's pretty cool. I didn't yeah. know the Coast Guard wow. did that. <clears throat> yeah. The Coast Guard was in Vietnam as well. What? Yep. True I did not know that. Hashtag true story. I had no clue. Coasties are cool, man. Coasties are super laid back. Super cool, super laid back, and super awesome. I enjoyed my time with the Coast Guard. It would be, it would be very tempting to join the Coast Guard if I were a kid again.
3: My uh, one of my cousins wanted to join the Coast Guard. I don't know if he ended up doing it or not, but he was uh, talking about joining the Coast Guard. I don't know if he ever went through with it. had to go ask him. Yeah. Wow. Ah. Uh, nope. I have a few
0: men who have uh, C- Cessnas. What a Cessna? Oh wow. I was. Oh no. I was. I know a few men who have Cessnas. Me, Lori's saying she knows people who own Cessnas, airplanes, the single prop jobs. Gloria says, I was 15, not a fun trip. When you went where? To Hawaii? Gloria? You went to Hawaii at 15, you did not enjoy that? Come on. My
5: parents went to Hawaii for their honeymoon and they said they were bored.
3: <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh,
5: wow. They were, they were disappointed. Um, really? Yeah, it's, it's just like islands, Like it's just the same thing over and over again. It's and, a, like a tourist
0: trap for yeah. sure. Just
5: they went on a helicopter trip, and my mom, like she said, she like came out of the helicopter a different woman, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> terrified of oh, heights. Man. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It's great. Helicopter rides are fun. Yes. Sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm saying.
4: So I have an interesting first time plane ride story. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's hear it. Well, I always thought, you know, the first time I go up in an airplane, mm-hmm. and I've never wanted to, that it would come back down. You know, there was something I would be that one, you know, that Lannis Morris, you know, okay. plane trip and it, yeah, <laughs> plane crash, right? So, um, <laughs> you gotta listen
0: to better music. <laughs> and,
4: <laughs> well, and we did, we took off. It was my first time, and, uh, uh, the guy next to me was giving me, uh, instructions on what was gonna happen, blah, blah, blah. I don't know how far we were into it. We're still climbing, and, uh, I smelled something weird. You know, it it smelled uh, uh, misty, moldy, something. And uh, I realized the uh, air conditioning the HVAC unit had turned off. And I must have been the only one because I looked around and nobody else was like, had that look of wonder, like, what happened? And so I thought, this is normal. And then... um, uh uh the pilot comes on and just announces that uh you may have smelled that uh what may have been some like dirty socks and I was like, Yeah and the people next to me were like, You did? <laughs> and he's like, Well, that was the HVAC unit and I do not feel safe going forward. So we are going to turn around.
7: <laughs> <laughs> see, and so
4: we did and funny. I landed within, you know, taking off for of thirty minutes <laughs> and horrible. you know, landed again. <laughs> And um, so the guy said, just sit down because, you know, it's probably nothing. They'll get it fixed, and then you can – we'll we'll leave. And, you know, they told us to keep seated. And I thought, you know, it's okay. I got food and, you know, the bathroom working. I'm good. And uh, then about five minutes later, they're like – you made deep plane now. <laughs>
0: yeah, you need to get off right now. You know, Make in the, other
4: arrangements. And I was like, that was my first terrible. plane ride. So, that's I First terrible. and only in, plane ride.
0: In the Marine Corps, well, not I, was a, plane, yeah. uh, I was an aviation structural mechanic in the Marine Corps. So I mostly worked on helicopters, some F-18s as well. And so uh, we rode on helicopters all the time. They were constantly leaking hydraulic fluid, other fluids. Mm -hmm. They were always needing repair. I mean, they were 40-plus years old all the time. Sometimes there weren't parts to get. You had to manufacture the thing yourself. And duct tape was a thing, you know, keeping these airplanes and these aircraft uh, alive. But routinely, you get on them like, oh, yeah, it's just pouring out hydraulic fluid. No big deal. We just keep going, you know. You don't even think twice. You just you get on and you go. Mm-hmm. In the civilian world, <clears throat> no tolerance. I got, my first job out of the Marine Corps was for McDonnell Douglas, making, uh, making passenger planes. And there is zero tolerance for anything that's not perfect. I was blown away by the level of perfection that they expected their workers to have in making these airplanes. I mean, it was just so so confidence-building to say, when you jump on, a, on an airplane, a civilian airplane, they have put a ton of effort into making it as good as, as humanly possible. Unlike, let's just say, some of my, uh, my companions, my, my friends, my colleagues from the Marine Corps, who, uh, you know, Hey, it looks good enough! Get it up in the sky! It's going to be great! Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there you go. <clears throat> Praise be to God. Flying is still safer than driving. Statistically. That oh, is going t- to do it for today. That's what they keep saying to me. That's what they keep saying. We should put you in a Cessna above above the studio or a helicopter
3: I don't know what that means but no thank uh, yes!
0: you yes write that down we're going to get Adrian in the helicopter and have him right above the studio and he'll be remote into the show from a, a helicopter ride that would be fun
4: parachute down
0: or well he can rappel down onto the roof that would be a blast that's going to do it for today's show I have no idea who's on the show tomorrow we're going to find out but either way the show starts at 6 a.m. Central 7 Eastern and hopefully you'll be a part of it if not do us a favor And uh, join when you can. Listen to the 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 episodes we post on our YouTube channel. Like, subscribe, share. It helps us a a tremendous amount. God bless you, and God love you. And thank you for being a part of the Catholic Drive Time family. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining.